Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. Before we get started, I am asking for donations to keep my show free of ads and interruptions and provide the best quality information out there. There is a link in the description below. And again, thank you so much for supporting my podcast and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott, providing you inspiration, information, knowledge, and motivation to help you on your soul's path covering topics related to health and happiness from the mystical to the metaphysical and everything in between, making the unknown known. Now let's join the podcast to discover today's topic. So Shona, how are you today? I'm great, Michael. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm really excited for you to be on the show. I've, I've watched your episode with the superpowers. Um, I really enjoyed that. Uh, so a little shout out to uh, Don and Karen too, as well. Um, New decision therapy. Mm-hmm. I love the concept. I was doing the research for this. And I was like, oh, it's so simple, but so profound. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow, this really makes sense. And I was like, okay, I need to book an appointment for this. I need to, I got some serious forgiveness stuff that I need to work on. Yeah. That's, well, it's great to, to realize that. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, I got a lot. Yeah. Sorry. I got a lot of stuff that I still need to do. I I didn't realize for some bizarre reason, I don't know what it is, if it's the energies that's happening at this present moment, but I just feel there's so much stuff coming up for me that I thought I dealt with, but I didn't deal with. Are you finding that with your clients too, as well, that they just a lot of unresolved stuff just coming up from? Yes. So exactly what you said, Michael. So the feeling that, you know, I've already dealt with this issue. I thought I put it to bed and I thought I was it was behind me and that I'd moved on and then something will, and right now, I mean, we're, we're coming up to a pretty significant full moon. I don't know a lot about that, but I'm, I understand with the lunar eclipse and the full moon, it's bringing up, it, we're excavating, deep excavating stuff in our psyche, stuff in our past that's coming up so we can finally uh, look at it and release it. So definitely um, that's, Part of what happens is people are like, well, I thought I had let go of this, but it's still bothering me. It's still triggering me. And I really do want to let go of it. Okay. So that being said, just to let the uh, listeners know, what is new decision therapy? So just give us a little background and maybe even a little history on the uh, on uh, new decision therapy. Sure. So new decision therapy is uh, essentially a process of forgiveness. So with new decision therapy, I'm using kinesiology or muscle testing to uncover where in the body you have stored unresolved guilt, anger, or regret. And it's those emotions are always connected to a person and a story from our past. And so we're, we're gonna use muscle testing. The body's gonna tell us who you might be ready to forgive, what story is coming up to be released. and the body, we can trust the body, the body knows the truth. So we're bypassing the mind and we're forgiving the person um, for whatever happened in that story. And you can forgive anyone, including yourself for anything. And that's a big statement, but as we talk, Michael, I can, I can explain more about what that is, but that's essentially what new decision therapy is, um, is releasing those old stories through forgiveness. Through forgiveness. And I mean, quintessentially, I mean, if you even look back to the uh, biblical times, you know, when if you look, if you're a Christian, you think about, you know, what the main premise of Christianity was, was forgiveness. I know Jesus talked a lot about forgiveness. 
forgiving to self. And that is so important. That is like, that's like money in the bank. And I think a lot of people, we've always, I think we had trauma. We've always experienced trauma at one level or another from another person, but we never really get a chance to forgive ourselves. And I think a lot of people don't understand that concept. Maybe can you just touch on the idea of self-forgiveness and what, what, what do I have to be forgiven for? Sure. So the idea of forgiving yourself. So if there is a situation in your past where you feel guilty about something or you have a deep-seated regret about a decision you made or something you said or something, maybe something you didn't do, there, there was an opportunity for you to do something and you didn't do it, then those are situations where you might feel like you need to forgive yourself for something in the past, something you did or didn't do. And I think with when we talk about forgiving ourselves and forgiving others, um, and Michael, I love that you're talking about it as sort of biblical because it, it can feel like really to that forgiving someone is, is that's for Jesus or God to do, right? But it's part of our own healing. And so when you're forgiving someone, you're never condoning what they did. You're forgiving someone is a very strong thing to do. You're not condoning what they did. You're not saying it's okay that you did this to me or that you, uh, or that I, it's not, a, I don't think it's okay that I did this, but I'm going to forgive you so that I can go on with my life. So that the story of what you did to me is no longer my story to carry. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of giving it back to you through forgiveness. So you're almost, you're almost releasing the energy of that connection. Yes, yes, exactly. So with new decision therapy, we understand that those feelings, the guilt, the anger, the regret, the rage, the grief, it's all carried in your cells, in your body. And it conditions many decisions you're making in the present that you may not be aware of. So some situation in your past, in your childhood or your youth, around a certain incident that happened with a person that can subconsciously be directing your life right now. It can, even if you're not aware, you might be getting into similar relationships or similar patterns in your life that go all the way back to this incident in your past. And so with, with forgiveness, you're unpacking those cells and you're releasing all that energy that you've been carrying and it, it, it's released and you, you're starting anew almost without that story. Wow. That, I mean, the freedom itself, just, a, I mean, my brain's kind of going, wow, that sounds so fantastic. Now, did it happen just after one treatment or do you need uh, like several treatments to kind of get at it? Or just because it depends on what the individual's going through. Yes. Yeah, so it can depend on the individual. So my own experience with new decision therapy, if I could, go into that, Michael, and I'll just sort of talk about why I ended up becoming a practitioner, was um, I was living in Toronto at the time, and I was uh, dating a lot of guys who I just was dating jerks, jerk after jerk. I dated every jerk in Toronto, I think. And I was, I was making poorer choices about relationships than I was in my teens or my twenties. I dated nice guys then. And then suddenly I'm in Toronto in my thirties and I'm, I'm dating all the jerks. So I knew there was something 
have like going on for me. It was just a recurring pattern. I was on a merry-go-round and I thought I have, I have to change. I have to somehow break out of this cycle. Um, and one of the things uh, I had talked to a friend who had done uh, new decision therapy and she talked about the muscle testing and I said, okay, this like something about it just intrigued me. And so I ended up going for my first session and discovering that to my surprise at the root of my relationship issues, it went back to my relationship with my mother. And there was something I had to forgive my mother for, uh, which if you'd asked me, well, you know, your, your issue with men is really about that time with your mom. I'd be like, no, but it was, <laughs> it was. So, so um, in a first session, it can be rare to forgive like that's a big thing to forgive a parent. Yeah. Uh, it can be rare to start there, but I was really ready. I, and I was suffering. I was in a lot of grief and I knew there was really something that I needed to resolve. And I went in with that intention. Like I am, I'm not carrying this stuff around anymore. I have to, to move on. And so in forgiving my mom, I, could feel when I walked home from this session, I could see the energy in the trees next to me. Like I could see the life force moving through them. It was like this wow. huge, yeah, this huge veil had been lifted off me. And I had this sort of clarity of understanding what this, what this issue in my life was all about. Yeah, that is so profound. And uh, I mean, I commend you on taking that chance and going out and, uh, and working on yourself. I mean, I commend that. I mean, that's fantastic. And, uh, it is so amazing. Like, you know, the, the wounds from our primary givers are mm -hmm. so deep and so ingrained. And I even hear that from my understanding from new decision therapy, you can actually go back in from ancestral stuff, go back even further mm -hmm. and work on that stuff too. Is that true too, as well? Well, in, so for example, in the process of healing my mom, I was also healing her. Like it changed the nature of our relationship on a subconscious level. So it's not like she woke up that morning and said, oh, I should call Shona because <laughs> I know something's different. But she, our relationship changed in significant ways, in positive ways. And subconsciously, energetically, she was also released from the tension of this story that that we shared and it would also in turn then heal her relationship with her parents and and so that's how it can go back um through past trauma if the trauma is being passed down right you can you heal it back through past generations and also for future generations so in healing that story I'm also changing the dynamic of my relationship with my daughters, right? The, the story has shifted. Yeah. That's, that sounds so profound. Now um, with your children um, now um, again, I'm going to get a little personal here, but did you, you had the children prior to um, doing the, uh, the, doing the new decision therapy? No, that came, they, they were born afterwards. Okay. So basically you've kind of did some of the work already. So they're, they're not really stuck in that same story as much as you were with your mother. Right. 
Yeah. Wow. And it's more out in the open. It's more, uh, I mean, I don't mind saying, Michael, like in my family, there's, I'm Scottish and I come from a long line of alcoholics. We suffer from alcoholism and it's something that was never talked about. It was always kept secret. And once I did this work, all that fell away, all that shame and secrecy fell away. And so I just know it's changed my relationship with my mother, who's a recovered alcoholic, and with, with my daughters, because we can, we can talk about addiction and alcohol in our family and the legacy of it and how we can now move forward and make our make different decisions about it. Yeah, that's so profound. And that is like the ultimate in deep healing. Like it's not just yourself, mm -hmm. but even through healing yourself, you heal so many other people. Like I've heard that so many times where it's like, so amazing. Like it's like, if you do your own work, the amount of people that you can affect by you actually, you know, taking the courage, you know, picking up the phone, checking out on a website, booking an appointment, doing whatever you have to do to heal these wounds. And I love bringing people this information because it's so important. And it's like, yeah, if you just do that, it's amazing how many people you can affect by being mm -hmm. the change. It's, I guess, what's that uh, Michael Jackson song, The Man in the Mirror? You got to change that yeah. man or woman in the mirror, I should say. You know, once you make yeah. that change, you know, be the change and everything else around you is changes. Yes. And at the end of the day, that's all you can change is, is yourself. You, you can really only like that work, the work of healing yourself is your own to do, you know, one can do it for you. Uh, but in doing it, you show others, right? You say, look, it's possible. Um, and you, because you've changed the dynamic of the relationships you have can change. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so important. So with new decision therapy, um, so are you classified as a psychotherapist or is like, how does that work the classification for a new decision therapy? No, I'm, so I'm technically, it's a form of therapy, but I'm not a psychotherapist. Okay. So to be clear, new decision therapy works really well with talk therapy. So if you are seeing uh, an analyst or a therapist or a psychologist at the same time. They work beautifully together. Um, and I would never, um, like you always want to follow the advice of your doctor. Um, and I do work with many clients who take psychotropic medications. So for anxiety or for stress, especially right now. And all, I like to know that because it actually can change your energy can change how I, I read the muscle testing. Um, but I always, but um, you know, any changes you were gonna make to your lifestyle, your medication, or it should always, you should connect with your doctor or your therapist and, and just have that, that second opinion and, and their advice. Yeah, I think that's really important too as well. And I'm glad you mentioned that too, because um, I know uh, my own past experiences, when people start feeling well, they start start self-medicating, they start changing things. Oh, I feel better yeah. now. I'm going to stop taking my medication and, or I'll stop doing this. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom. Yeah. And they do, there's, there is a way to work through that. Like I, I so appreciate that people would like to stop taking medication. Uh, and so there's ways to work towards that, but it definitely needs to be under the guidance of the doctor. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, yeah. yeah, I've, I've, I've seen that. And it's like, why did you change your medication? It's like, well, I'm feeling so much better. I just thought, you know, hey, I'm going to do it. And it's like, 
yeah, but you're not a doctor. And, you know, there are side effects of not taking your I medication. Know. I know. And I, but, and I also get why. I understand I, yeah. why there was this sort of this desire to, to, to not need it anymore. Right. Yeah. 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 It can, because you do feel so liberated. Like there is that big shift and, and that's the thing. It's like, it could be so profound. Like one session could be so profound mm -hmm. that releases that energy. And again, it gets trapped in that body. Now is new decision therapy similar to body talk? Oh, I, I don't know a lot about body talk, but I do know um, some new decision therapy practitioners uh, started with body talk. Um, so they're similar in the sense that it's about your body having a certain containing the truth. Um, mm -hmm. Like your mind is, you know, and your ego will tell you this story and they'll take you down this road that that is just a well-worn story that you know, whereas the body sitting in the body is the truth of who you are and, and your, your own truth and connection to spirit. Um, so yes. So I think there is definitely a connection there um, between just connecting to the body's wisdom. Yeah. It, it's amazing how, how wise our body is. Like I always say the issues in the tissue. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's, that's where it's stored. Yeah. yeah that Yeah. It's, it's amazing how they do it. So, so the main um, emotions that are trapped are like the guilt, the anger, the resentment, uh, those sort mm -hmm. of things. And do you find that there, once you break apart one, it's always like that quintessential onion, you peel one layer off, there's some anger. And then underlying the anger, there's a guilt. And then underlying the guilt, there was a resentment. And you just start peeling layers off. Is that how you see sometimes with your clients? Yes. So it can be, yes, it can be lots of emotions. Sometimes it's clearly anger. Sometimes it's clearly guilt or regret. And sometimes it's all of them. And, but always at the root of all those emotions is grief. Okay. Grief, grief is when you really dig down past anger, guilt, regret, um, resentment, rage. It's always, uh, it's grief that's at the, the bottom of the well. Yeah. So that's the, is that uh, something that usually comes up first or again, you have to kind of peel the layer off. So with, so, so everybody's different. So some people come um, with a very clear idea as I did in my first session of, of wanting to forgive, but not knowing, think it could be one of three people. Um, and so the body tells us where to start. And sometimes we're starting small. Sometimes we start with a coworker or a sibling um, and that starts to make it possible for the person to come to forgiving, uh, to do a bigger work around forgiveness, to forgiving a parent or a caregiver or a, somebody in authority, a teacher. Um, also even we works towards forgiving God or the universe or the goddess even. Yeah. Like yeah. I've, I've heard that so many times um, through my own work and stuff like that. Like people don't realize like this connection to like source God or whoever you want to feel the universe. Um, there's that kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, screw you. Where were you? Like you abandoned me. There's that loss. And it's like, you know, forgiving something that you can't, it's not tangible. It's not like you can see God, you can look yes. out and say, Hey, there's God right there. I mean, if you go to a church, you see pictures of God. And I mean, 
there's this, there's this crazy white guy in a beard, you know, but for the most part, it, the, it's the, it's this invisible force that kind of is the giver of our life. But how do you, how do you forgive something like that? And that can be pretty profound. Yes. Yes. And so there are definitely different layers. Um, and everybody will start really where their body says they're ready to start. Um, sometimes you can forgive one person, like in forgiving my mother, for example, it allowed, it changed the relationships I had with certain other people around whom I was continuing the story. So subconsciously, I'd started relationships that mirrored and continued the story of the relationship with my mom. So in forgiving my mom, um, it, it unraveled the tension. Sometimes these relationships fell away or sometimes they just became better also because I, I'd done the core work, if that makes sense. Oh, it, de- it definitely makes sense. Uh, and I just want to let everybody know that how profound that could be too as well, because it's amazing how much we mirror other relationships, you know, you know, you may be angry at your mother, but then you may be doing the same thing with your coworker. And yes. I think you, and then maybe you were doing the same thing with the relationships with all these jerks that yes. you were dating, you know? Yeah. I was, I was trying to, I was trying to figure it out and I, I was repeating, repeating the dynamic, repeating it over and over again without knowing it was subconscious. Yeah. Like and I said before, if somebody had said, this is all about your mother, I'd have said, are you crazy? How can this be about my mother? And <laughs> well, me on, the other hand, I mean, on me on the other hand, I may say, yeah, that is my mother. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Sometimes, you know, right. Sometimes we know, um, yeah. and sometimes we just don't and that's okay. Like we're human. And, um, that sort of not knowing where it goes into the subconscious is also part of how we survive right? It, it's, it, it goes down into the subconscious until a time when we feel like we can, we can cope with it or look at it. Now, and so, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you there, but I'm just getting curious about the, um, how you do the muscle testing, like what type of muscle testing do you do? Do you just kind of, do you have the person raise their arm and you just kind of resist? And then how does that work with you? Oh yeah. Thank you for asking. So the person sticks their arms straight out from their shoulder. I use whatever arm is most comfortable for them. And then I do um, like an energy check. So I'll have them say yes, and I'll, I'll, I'll feel the resistance. So I ask them when I push down on their arm to hold strong, to, to keep the arm up. I'll ask them to say something that's true. Like I would have you say, my name is Michael. And I'd feel the strength of the truth of that. And I'd have you say something that's not true. Like, my name is Bob. And then I'd feel what a weak response was. Okay. So then, and then we would go from there and I would do um, the muscle testing to help us determine who we needed to forgive. Okay. So you would ask the question, do I need to forgive my mother? And then it's like, yeah, you get to, you get a, like either a strong response or a weak response. So if I go weak, the arm will fall down. Correct. And so that obviously that's what I need to forgive. Or if it is positive on the father, is that how you kind of check it? Kind of. So that's, you've got the right principle for sure. I'm, I'm also, so I'm checking where in the body the story is stored. So it's helping me. I'm using meridian lines and uh, points that 
that acupuncture or acupressure uses. So I'm checking for guilt, anger, or regret. I'm trying to uncover the main emotion and story. Um, then I'm also doing mirror work. So we're looking in the mirror in different eyes. So we're looking for, um, is it a male or a female? Um, and then we're narrowing it down. So yes, through muscle testing, I might say, so if through the muscle testing, I uncover that um, there's a person with whom you have unresolved anger, this person is in your left eye, which is typically a male. So can you think of a man with whom you have unresolved anger? And then you might say, oh, my, my brother or my father. And we would then we would muscle check. Okay. Um, I'd have you look at this person in your left eye and hold strong. And if you couldn't hold it strong, I'd say, okay, looking at this person makes you weak. So there is a story here that that needs to be resolved. Really and then we would say the person I need to forgive is dad. And if you if that was strong, then I know that's where we started. But I might it might be several people. It might take us several different people to figure out where your body wants you to start. Yeah. So again, it's just kind of like that layer of the onion. So it may be like you said, yes. like the coworker, because yeah. he's the he or she is the prominent one in your life right now. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't the coworker, it was your partner. And then it wasn't your partner, you know, then it's like, okay, if it wasn't your partner, maybe it was a sibling. And then it wasn't the sibling, it was like a, your parent. And then yeah. you just kind of figure that out. And then it's like, oh, it was dad. You know, yes. dad was an asshole, I don't know, like, you know, for all my years. So right. now I'm just basically repeating these same patterns as I go through, go through life. Yes. Yeah. But your body will tell us where to start. So if there's a lot of trauma or a big issue, or you've like, so for a lot of men, they hold this stuff in. It's never been released or expressed. And it can be, the body might be telling me, we can't start by forgiving the father. We have to start by forgiving the coworker. And we're going to ease in gently. And then we, like you said, we're uncovering the layers of the onion. And then maybe it's easier um, later in that session or in a separate session to forgive the father. Yeah, I guess you you want to protect the the person. You don't want them kind of having like this big emotional release if they're not prepared for it. Yeah, and it it's we're really letting the body guide us. So yeah. the wisdom of the body is going to tell us uh, who this person is ready to forgive and okay. what's going. Yes, what's going to be the most beneficial and compassionate place to start. Okay, so you're also checking with the meridian lines too as well. So how are you doing that? So you're, che you're checking energy patterns, uh, from what I understand, you're checking the meridians. So how do you check the meridians within the body? Are you basically so, placing your hands on the body and kind of moving your hands like a, like a Reiki practitioner, kind of going, oh, this is all blocked over here, or you're actually pressing into the meridian lines? So we're working with the, the meridian lines that go around the heart through the core. So this, the CSX meridian line, which is right, maybe, I don't know if you can see me, it's right at, almost right at this, above the sternum okay we would start there um we would then go to right at the sternum so there i'm asking the person to simply place their fingers there and then i'm muscle testing again with the arm okay and i'm looking for what is weak and what is strong and okay. it's where it's weak that i know there's um there's an issue there's something there okay uh, okay yeah because i was just a little curious to how 
how we'd worked in meridian lines and figuring out which one. So it's just a very specific set of meridian lines that you use, not using all of them. You're using no. the main core one within the, the sternum, stuff like that. Yeah. So it's almost like the same meridian lines they'd use for EFT, like the tapping. Yes. Yeah. And it's the same. So it's to keep it simple. Um, we're, we're narrowing it down to the guilt, anger, and regret and where those are stored in on this meridian line. I, we also do a process before I even start to muscle test those points in the body. We clear denial. So in grieving, you know, that denial is part of the process. And so we can be in denial about our feelings, about what's really going on, about the story we tell, about what happened. So clearing denial helps me get to the truth about what the, the body wants to tell us. So that's just using points here by the collarbone and points behind the ear and at the navel. And we just breathe through it and clear denial and there's no judgment around it. So everybody has denial of some kind. I'm and sure, so, yeah. yeah, so we, we just clear it and then we're able to get a clearer reading um, with the body and the person who's coming up. Okay. So the, the fact that just a being awareness, just bringing that into awareness that the individual is, has this guilt, denial, anger, resentment towards an individual is that actually you're bringing it from the subconscious to the conscious mind. And from there, is that when they finally kind of get that aha release moment? It's like, how does the actual release of that energy go? Is it just from that simple act of them going, Oh crap. And their eyes kind of widen up and they're going, Oh wow, this, yeah, I got some serious stuff around my caregivers. Well, that can be part of it. So there can be this sort of, Yes, the conscious understanding that what the body's saying is coming up there, there's this moment of acceptance, like, okay, yes, there is something here that's upsetting me. And I'm here today. So I'm present. So we're going to, that's the work we're going to do today. That's what my body's telling me. And so then it resonates, right? There's a sort of truth in it. Um, but then the act, then there's a process of forgiveness. So at the mirror, we're going through certain steps and we're we're getting clear about what is um what are we forgiving this person for how did what they did make you feel um and then the releasing of it the the forgiving them and then telling them now you're moving on with your life now i'm moving on with my life and Part of this process that's so beautiful is that you're not, so again, you can forgive anyone for anything. So that might, some people say, you know, there are things that are just unforgivable, but if you've decided something is unforgivable, then you've agreed you're going to carry that burden, the burden of that story for the rest of your life. And it's going to be heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. So forgiveness is not condoning what they did. You are not saying it's okay that you beat me or raped me or that you uh, neglected me or abused me or any of that. You are not saying it's okay. You're saying, I don't want to carry the weight of the story of what you did to me anymore. 
Yeah. I really want to put it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that can be just profound that way of just saying, you know, enough is enough. Not today. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm making that choice and I'm no longer carrying this burden. Yeah. That, that itself is very profound to say, you know, enough's enough. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now, again, with your technique, you can't do this remotely. You actually have to have be physically in, in a session with you, right? Yes. I, if, if someone's done it with me before, several times before, I can do it remotely because they have an understanding of the process. Um, but if it's a first time client, uh, I do need to do it in person. It is something that's a little tricky to translate um, yeah. over uh, over Zoom or online. And I would have to work with a surrogate. So I would need another person to and muscle test on their body. So there would have to, there's sort of, some people might be comfortable with that and, and some people might not be. So ideally, I like to be with the client. Um, but if if they've been with me even only once, then I can usually work with them online. Yeah. Now, just had a quick question. Um, this new decision therapy, there are practitioners everywhere, right? Correct? Like yes. There's a lot of, okay. So there is a network of new decision therapists out there. Yes. Now, the I trained with Candace Blakely, who created new decision therapy. She was a, a psychologist and doctor based in California. And I trained with her in Toronto. And she passed away young. I, I don't even know if she was 60, um, but she passed away, I think, uh, five or six years ago. So there is one person here in Toronto who does uh, the training, and she helps to maintain a network of people who have been trained and who are practicing new decision therapy. So um, I'm certainly happy to share her contact information as well. Um, there's So there are some people in the Toronto area I don't know how uh, widespread it is outside of Canada or the U.S., but I, I do know there is a network uh, in North America. Okay, yeah, because I just wanted just to let people know, because, you know, the great thing about a podcast is it reaches everybody. Yes. So it's not just us little Canadians up here, A. Yeah. Um, it's it's a lot of, uh, actually, you know, the bulk of my listeners are actually uh, American. So I'll just a little oh, shout that's out. Oh, that's great. Yeah, just a little shout out to my um, American uh, brothers and sisters down in the Hi, south there. Guys. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like, I also have a good audience in the UK, all the Kansas countries, you know, Canada, US, um, Australia, and the UK too, as well. Um, so I was always just wondering, because, you know, sometimes, you know, when they listen to these information, it's like, okay, where can I find a practitioner? Um, that is it because they go, Oh, my God, this sounds so good. I want to do this. You yeah. know, so and so, so amazing. And I always want to make sure that, you know, this information is available to them too, as well. Um, now with the mirror work, now, are you actually coaching the person? So you're actually standing beside a person and they're looking into the mirror Yes. and are they doing affirmations or so when you say, okay, say forgive so-and-so. So you're actually looking in the mirror and saying, I forgive such and such for this. Are you well, you're looking. Them? Yeah. So that's a good question. Uh, it's a good question about how exactly it works at the mirror. So once we've determined which I, the person is, is in, or how we're gonna connect with that person through the eyes. You would in the mirror be looking at that person. So let's say Bob in your left eye, we would be speaking like directly to Bob. We would say, Bob, I forgive you um, 
for X, Y, and Z, um, I felt sad and afraid and alone. And we would say that. We would directly speak to Bob like he was right in front of us. And I encouraged the person to picture him, picture Bob as, you know, as he was the last time you saw him or how you know that he looks as though you were really speaking to him. Okay. So I got a question for you. Uh, no, it's not all typical, but a lot of us guys have a hard time feeling emotions. Mm. So how do you get around with somebody like saying, I, I can't really feel anything. I don't feel it because it just been in the, such a denial state. They just kind of tuck everything in. It's like, I don't feel sad. I just feel numb. Yes. So I know what you mean because the forgiveness has to really be felt in the heart, right? Like for it to really work, you have to, to feel it. Um, sort of like gratitude, like for gratitude to work, you have to really feel grateful. Um, the, so part of the process, the clearing denial helps. It opens up the possibility to access truth through the body. And if it's true, then it will resonate. So certainly sometimes people are crying as they're forgiving because it's intensely emotional and you're doing hard work you are letting go of something you've held on to and it's maybe been part of your identity for a long time but not everybody cries like it's not a requirement <laughs> but but there is in the um in the process if we've done it right if we've done the muscle testing properly and we've cleared denial and we've pinpointed the right person, it means you're ready. It means your heart is ready to do the work. And so it, it will resonate. It will land in the heart, the forgiveness. Okay. So that will apply very similar to the forgiveness of the self. If it's your, if it's mainly mm -hmm. you that you have to forgive. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So it'll just do the same, same resonance on the same thing. Yes. And often it's interesting. You should bring that up because that's something that can be one of the most difficult for people is the idea that, that they need to forgive themselves or the idea that they can, because often we feel we, we have a lack of compassion for ourselves. We feel that something we've done or not done just makes us a, a bad person. So there's shame and guilt and it takes a lot of compassion to decide to forgive ourselves. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. it. And it's amazing how much shame is so detrimental, how much we carry it and how much um, mm -hmm. is so dangerous and so toxic as, as an emotion, whether just spilling it out or just in general, just with having us, you know, take it in ourselves and keep that shame for, for generations. Yes. Yes. And guilt. So guilt and shame are slightly different and there, there's lots of great literature out there now that talks openly about shame and guilt. So guilt is, is feeling bad about something you did or, or something you failed to do. But shame is that deep rooted feeling that you are a bad person, that there is something wrong with you that you're just not enough. And so there's, it's important to differentiate those things because they're, their sources are different, um, but both, both are incredibly, as you said, Michael, just, just detrimental and 
burdens and they cause all kinds of suffering for yeah. ourselves and for people around us as yeah. well. Yeah, it's one of those core issues that if you just, if you think about all the stuff that's happens in this world, a lot of it is, can be traced, not all of it, but some of it can be traced to just to those basic things that, sh that deep shit, there's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. That shame, like shame is just so powerful. I mean, you know, you look at public shaming now in the media and everything else and how detrimental that could be. And then the reverse effects of it, you know, what they're trying to do. It's, yeah, it's, it's crazy how that can happen. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, you bring up a great point, like, especially with social media, um, the sort of the element of shame is really amplified for a lot of people by social media. Yeah. And it's just, it's, I mean, that, that's one of the things I, I struggle with social media just because of that platform. I mean, it's a great, it's, it's like anything, it, it could be an amazing platform and you can get out uh, information and positivity, but on the flip side too, there's that dark side to it. That's so profound. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just, you just, it's so widespread. It's just, it's got to stop. Like, I mean, it's unbelievably how you see it all the time. I just, I can't believe it's still continuing on. Well, and it's, like for people like you and me, Michael, like often that's how I get the word out about what I do and who I am and how to find me. And, um, and so I primarily, I want to engage with it because I want to reach people and I want them to know who I am. And, um, but at the same time, yes, it's a real rabbit hole. And so it takes a real sort of like you, Michael, I, I have times where I'm like, I just want to walk away from it all. I want to pack it all up and just, never go back to it. Um, and I know, I know people actually recently over this past year with the pandemic, more and more people who are, who have made that choice for their own mental and emotional health. They've said, I don't need it. And I think there's something liberating in that as well. Right. Like yeah. A, and yeah. that's one of, that's one of the, the, the things I struggled with, uh, like friends of mine were saying, Mike, if you want to be doing this stuff, you want to kind of get out of the, the spiritual closet, the psychic closet, whatever you want to get, uh, do, and you got to get out there. And it's like, uh, part of me was like, oh, I just hate doing that. And for so long, I didn't have any social media. I had it for a bit. I just thought it was so fake. And I just thought, this is ridiculous. I can keep posting stuff every day. And it's just like, I just, it drove me nuts. And I just thought this is just ridiculous. But again, you know, I just got to keep on putting out the right messaging and, be my more authentic self and just keep putting out the information, but it's so true. Um, but you also do Reiki too, as well, right? You're, I hear you're quite the uh, Reiki master as well. I hear you do some oh. fantastic teaching. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I love, um, I love teaching. It feels like a, a calling for me. Yeah. And you too. Yeah. yeah. I, I love to teach and I love to teach Reiki because it's such a beautiful healing uh I hate the word modality, but I'll say modality. Sure. Um, and for many people, it's it's a gateway into understanding uh, the spiritual world and understanding energy and understanding um, healing. And so it's really, uh, it's exciting to teach it. And I think the more people who, who do Reiki, the better. I really believe that it's... Uh, it's a form of healing whose time has come in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. You're, I hear you sister. I hear you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I figured if every household had one individual that practiced Reiki, the world would be such an amazing place to be. 
And I mean, it sounds very utopic, but at the same time too, it is very possibility. And one thing I love about Reiki too, is the simplicity of it. You don't need any advanced degrees. You don't have to go to, you know, college or, you know, be a doctor or have, you know, advanced degrees in physiology and all that sort of stuff. I figure if you got to come on, come in with an open heart mm-hmm. and, and a willingness to, to learn about yourself and the people around you. Fantastic. I, yeah, it is definitely the gateway. Always called the gateway drug, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's, um, and I like, I think it's important too that people that practice Reiki are able to connect with other practitioners and practice and, feel like they're part of a community of people who, who follow uh, certain principles, like the Reiki principles and who, who do this work, um, just to feel supported. Because for a long time, I remember uh, learning Reiki uh, and hearing about it back, gosh, in the 80s and the 90s. I'm going to age myself here. But that's when I first heard about it. And nobody knew what it was. Like it took a long time to explain what it was. And now I'm delighted to see that most, many, many people know what it is and many people have even tried it. So, um, so that's exciting to see. Yeah, it. I, I so hear that. I used to have a, uh, a clinical practice and I was like, I was like the only Reiki practitioner in there. And Nobody knew what it was. Every, you know, there were people that are afraid of it. The, you know, they had so much misinformation and it was, it was always, it was, it was such a struggle. I, you know, I, I basically, you know, I tried to, you know, make it work as much as I could, but I was, I was spending more money on rent than I was actually making money uh, just for uh, that. And plus a lot of the um, people who, um, who don't have any benefits wasn't covered under benefits. Yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of it's starting to grow now. It's a lot more popular now. So if you do have extended benefits, it was always something that it was added in there. But uh, a lot of people didn't want to pay out of pocket and says, who's this crazy guy? Who, what, what is he doing? And yeah. then, what, what do you mean, Reiki? What is he going to do? Like move, move my energy. What's what he's doing, move my energy. And, and I always laugh too, because I always had like the extreme cases that people would come in. I remember the, my chiropractor and I love her to death. And she was going, okay, here's this person. Can you go fix her? Can you just go fix her? <laughs> fix her. Yeah. And I just remember, I, what am I, I can't do this. I don't know. It's like, oh my God. But uh, it was definitely a learning experience. Uh, but, you know, there was some amazing uh, events that happened on a Reiki table. And I'm so, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's so grateful to have. But uh, yeah, that really was kind of like the stepping stone for me. It was like that. So for those who are listening, who are not Reiki practitioners, I think you need to get on the ball there and get your level one to start out with for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And just um, even to get, treat yourself to some Reiki sessions, especially now, like right now, this past year has been um, the energy worldwide. If you're empathic in any way, or if you feel the emotions of others, this has been an intense year and Reiki can just help to to balance and clear a lot of, a lot of fear we might be carrying that isn't ours. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. so true. So I just got a question for you. So how do people find a really good Reiki practitioner? It's almost like I find Reiki practitioners are like mechanics. Once you get a good mechanic mm-hmm. or a good chiropractor or doctor or an esthetician, like you're, you're there for life. So if right. you had to basically kind of say, what, how do you, how would you discern like to find a really good Reiki practitioner? 
Well, even besides when you yourself, were, besides yourself. Oh, besides yourself, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> Michael, you and I are the best. We're the best. Well, of course. And all the people we know who practice Reiki, they're all. We're uh, all of course. So a lot of it, it has to do with, like you said, like a good mechanic or a good hairdresser. It has to do with trust. So you want to choose somebody who you feel like you could trust, who feels authentic and who resonates with you. So some part of you says yes to them, says, yes, I want, um, I want to be in your energy. I, and I feel safe in your presence. That's, that's what I would say you, you should go on. If, um, and of course, you know, other things might be important to you. It depends on who the person is, but they might, they might want to see your credentials. They might want to know who you trained with. They might want to know where you work out of and, or get references. Can other people recommend you? Um, so those are all things to consider. Uh, but for me, if I was choosing a Reiki practitioner, it would be energetically. How do they feel? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Once you start working with energy, it, it's all about an energy feel. That's, mm -hmm. that's how I, a lot of times I choose my guests is like, mm -hmm. you know, people send me like, you know, Hey, here's this guest, here's this guest. And it's like, if I don't resonate with them and I just can feel their energy, I just, I won't have them on the show. Um, right. and, yeah, yeah. And it's very much intuitive that way. And um, because I want the best that I know out there, I really want those amazing people out there. And again, oh, it's, I'm so it's, excited that I'm here. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you're fantastic. I mean, like all my guests are fantastic. So they're just, they're all amazing. So thanks, Michael. Uh, we yeah. have a fantastic host in you. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, uh, I'll accept that. Yes. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, that being said, Shona, we're almost out of time. Oh my gosh. You're right. Yep. Time flies. That time flies. So if people are looking for you looking for your services, um, now just to be you can do Reiki remotely though, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So that being said, if people are looking for an amazing Reiki practitioner, um, and if you are local, you're in the uh, GTCA area and you want some new decision therapy, um, where can they find you? So um, I am on Facebook and Instagram at Ravenheart Healing. Uh, you can also email me, uh, ravenhearthealing at gmail.com. Um, and I'm also open to, you know, I'm going to give you my cell phone number because why not? It's 416-839-8878. Just send me a text. I'd Perfect. Love to yeah. well, that's awesome. You know, I really appreciate that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think if you guys get your level one, for those who are really interested in, in getting some Reiki, it'll, it'll just, I know it's changed my life. I, I know it sounds... Mm -hmm kind of cliche, but it did. It really kind of started me on my path. And again, this was years ago, but um, I'm really glad I did. And I'm really glad, Shona, you were on the show and you had some time to talk to us about new decision therapy. Um, yeah, yeah, you know what? I think I may have to book a session because I got some stuff. I It's funny. The universe always knows when you got stuff to do, they'll put the right people in your path. And because yeah. I had a lot of stuff coming up the last couple of days, I've just been, a, I'd be honestly, I've been a mess. And I, wow. I knew some, some stuff was coming up and it's like, but then I was researching new decision therapy and I was thinking about that. I'm going, damn, I need to book an appointment. So we'll talk about a little of this afterwards. So after That's we get great. out of here, so once we get going, but um, that being said, everybody, I'm just going to close off the podcast. This has been the metaphysical mentor podcast with Michael Philpott. Thank you so much for joining me and goodbye for now.